0: All right, we're rolling. Hey, this episode of the podcast, episode number 38, is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. Beach Volleyball National Events is the biggest get-noticed beach volleyball showcase in the United States of America, run by Daron Forbes, the program director. Beach Volleyball National Events, come play with us. It's also brought to you by Endless Summer Beach Volleyball. Stuck in California for AAUs. Stuck in California for AVP first for Junior Olympics and your coaches didn't come with you, come train with us. We have the best coaches in the United States of America. We've got Pompilio, Jose Loyola's coach, Jeff Samuels, Rob, keep it McLean. McLean and yours, yours truly, Jason DeBiss, along with Jaron Barreto. A family that plays together, stays together. It's also brought to you by my brand, NY Varsity Sports. That's right. I put videos on YouTube and people come to watch them. NY Varsity Sports, watching me, watching you episode 38 of the podcast let's see if i can do this right um Mm -hmm. starts right now Ah, How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Ah, I got the second part of that right. Listen, you guys have asked, you have demanded, and I deliver because I got to give the people, (laughs) give the people what they want. Eric Anderson, what's up, coach? Hey, how you doing, Jason? (laughs) Doing pretty good. So... We were Before we got on the podcast, we were talking about hats, like how how, how often we wear hats. Um, and you're in Texas right now, right? Correct. Yeah. Houston. You spent a lot of time in California, which we're going to probably get into a little bit later. Um, did you find yourself wearing hats more uh, coaching volleyball or, or, or is it because of indoor or whatever, outdoor? What, when I was in California? Yeah.
1: Oh, I always, uh, I think I always wore hats when I was in California yeah. for the most part. Yeah. yeah. If you could find a rare picture of me, I probably had a hat on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and but you I, know where I did I did not wear a hat when I played uh, uh beach ball. And I didn't wear glasses. It was always a distraction.
0: Yeah, it's like you're trying to get some court vision, right? Sense yeah. your peripherals where the balls are and at the same time still do still do, uh scan the court so you Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> you're trying to trying to do all that, right? You can't no, you can't, so <laughs> Listen, I um, everyone's like, oh, Jason, the guy with the Yankee hat. I love the Yankees, and if you see pictures of me in the past, you'll see me pictures in, the, in my Yankee hat. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to plays, now I, I had a blazer in a Yankee hat, trying to look like Jay-Z. <laughs> uh, after my graduation party, I had a party blazer, white shirt, Yankee hat. But I've worn a hat more. The four years of uh, four and a half years I've been in California cumulative than I have my entire life. <laughs> you, I, I have a five head, I ain't got a forehead. You know, people got a f- four, they got the forehead. No, I got a five head. So, um, yeah, so I got to keep that kind of keep it from burning, you know.
1: Yeah, so you got a lot of skin cover there,
0: yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we were also talking about on my last podcast, like, um, like. God, we could get into when we were young and stupid stories. I I didn't go to an event, or almost didn't go to a gala event because they told me it was a black tie affair, right? And I was like, yeah, okay, I got it covered. I'm black and I got a tie, you know? So, and they're like, No, 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 no. That's not what that black ties. We're a tux. So and I'm like, a tux. So in addition to not knowing what, uh, what a black tie affair was, we, we, if you grew up where, you, where I did and you didn't wear a lot of suits coming up, Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn, um, uh-huh. you don't know the difference between a tuxedo and, and, um, and a suit. You, you, you don't. It's like, it's like us being dumb men, right? Do we know? Half of us, 50, more than 50% of us, I didn't do any stats on this, but you co-sign with me on this. I bet more than <laughs> half of us don't know the difference between when our girls are wearing a bathing suit or wearing a bikini. Or or underwear, or underwear, or drawers, <laughs> well, right? They, I don't know. They,
1: they kind of all intermingle now. So it's no, but this
0: tough. listen. This one on the beach uh, wearing it wearing like a thong, right? A thong bikini, right? But uh-huh. but but if she's if she's in that house and wearing like whiteys big whitey. She's running running into the other room, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I got to tell you though, when I was on the beach,
1: I wasn't really uh, contemplating on whether it was <laughs> or
0: anything else. <laughs> Oh my God. So Ugh. let's start present in the past. What are you, what are you been up to um, recently? You're with, a, I understand you're with USA volleyball and I, I did a little digging. I understand you coached the high school as well as an, and the club. You're like, are you doing, are you pull, uh, pulling triple duty right now? Yeah. Are you pulling triple duty right now, coach? Uh, Pretty much. So, so out
1: here in Houston, I started a boys, uh boys program, Houston stars. Uh, We're going into our third year now. Uh, Going pretty. we're doing pretty well. We had 21, 21 uh, boys last year, and started off with nine the previous year. Um, and it's pretty good considering there's no there's well, where hardly any boys volleyball out here in Texas. We have uh, three or four private schools that play oh, volleyball. Oh, okay.
0: So boys, right? Tough. Yeah, girls. Yeah, girls. You ain't got that problem, right? <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, just definitely, kind of definitely boys. not a problem with
1: girls. So I do that. Um, I do a quick four-week stint with uh, Lone Star College, the women's team there. And uh, then over the summer, I have uh, responsibilities with Gold Medal Squared, where I travel the country and uh, go overseas to uh, to do some coaching, coaching camps.
0: Wow. Yeah. Where, where overseas? And um, where's the last place you've been overseas?
1: Uh, last year, I want to say Korea, China. I think were the last two places I was at. What I've done where have I done over there uh, Japan
0: oh. I was supposed to go
1: to Africa this year but uh you know what part, what part of Africa what's that
0: what part of Africa the car cool man I have some yep. friends there man I got um Oh really? Seidou, Seidou and Janko, um oh yes
1: I, I, was um, gonna, I, was, I haven't met him I have him on Facebook yeah and I was gonna try to stay a little longer and uh fly over to where he is and try to and try to meet him Say you
0: know, do is probably over that way again. Say do is um he's a little all right. As a as a person, he's a little bit of a man child. I ain't gonna lie, okay. <laughs> he's one of those guys, if you don't get what he wants, he pouts and he sits down until he gets yeah. his way. Um, <laughs> that's off the court. On the court, he, he's just an the am- he's just he's not just this African guy that could jump. His skill set is is really, really tight. And he he played for Cal Baptist. You know, you you you've been mm-hmm. you've been neck deep in NIA, NIA for a long time. Um, so he played for Cal Baptist three years and played for Park his first year, and he won all four years. Um, and his cousin Shamzu is like so I want you to picture in your head, say do like three and a half inches taller and like skinnier. Uh, <laughs> that's Shamsu. Really? Yeah. Wow. So wow. yeah, cool story that's about scary. him. On on his Facebook profile, he had a video, right? Uh-huh. Of of a jump serve, him jump serving, and then on the overpass out of D zone hit the overpass. Just jump serve and your momentum leads, you're like base one, base yeah. one, uh, uh, or position one, base one, and then go through your progressions, base yeah. two or yeah. three, but he's on his way to base one in the overpass. He just boomed it and everyone just just cranked their mind, cranked their ass off. And I <laughs> called Seydoux on the phone. I said, Sadu, I said, that's not you, was it? Come on, come <laughs> on. And he's like, no, it was Shamzu. <laughs> well, wow, that would be a dream come yeah. true. But I mean, can he do it? Yeah, but he he could not tell me a lie. It was his cousin because they um, look every their their, their approach, their swing, uh, um the the way they block, everything is very whatever. So you see a a video from a distance, and they both have a dark complexion. I mean, Eric, their blackness ain't gonna sneak up on you, right? (laughs) I I could look at you and be like, oh yeah, he, he could be Dominican. No, that's 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 that is a motherland skin tone. Okay, so. So you see someone with dark saint like dark a uh, uh, similar complexion, similar playing mm. style. Like everyone on his on his uh, his wall thought it was him and I'm like I call bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I call I call nonsense, you know? So um yeah, kind he's like, like the
1: standard Brothers. I, I think they I think they're very similar to their style of play.
0: Yeah, did the other Stanley also play opposite? What's that? You said, you said the other uh, Stanley play opposite? You said Stanley Brothers? No, no no the Sa- Sanders Oh Sanders oh yeah Taylor and um his brother is a, is still at BYU uh, I think he graduated the I think he podcast. graduated too
1: yeah but yeah they, they're very similar to uh, their playing styles.
0: I love um Taylor Sanders ruthless aggression. I like the fire that that guy plays with. I like the occasional stare down. Maybe he picks his mm-hmm. shots because he thinks maybe that'll get some people out of the game. And and against some of those European teams, that's kind of a mistake, you know. Like like against against the Russians, you, I mean, that's like giving Popeye spinach. You don't want to you want mess with them <laughs> like that. Those are, those are like white Dominicans, you know. You're trying to you're trying yeah, to Russians,
1: watch. Are, <laughs> Russians just really talk.
0: Yeah, they love it.
1: I mean, there's a lot of European players that. Uh, I would say the knock on them is if you if you stay on top of them, they'll kind of give up eventually.
0: Because big waves crash. Yeah. Right. Because big waves crash. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. um, and we had a I had a little talk with um, Eric Baranik about that. He was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago about um, not being too emotionally high or emotionally low. And I, I know Hugh McCutcheon mm-hmm. was big on that. And Asparahu who's assistant. Uh, his who is who is his assistant? I'm gonna I'm only assume that that. Um, you know that maybe they just do psychological studies and say big waves crash but in our playing and coaching lives there are some exceptions to the rule there Mm -hmm. are some people we've met and we and so few though we know them by name (laughs) Uh, um that are high they start high and they stay there and i'm like how (laughs) how (laughs) um i'll give you a recency bias fallon Fanoi moana Uh, Uh, Eric's um, niece or cousin or what have you she starts high she stays high she's in the the tournament she's in her fourth match yeah let's go the whole (laughs) match from bell to bell and I'm like who is this person (laughs) she's my most viewed video by the way on NYVarsity oh is that right she has 321,000 views whoa yeah for any volleyball player indoor or outdoor huh I said maybe I'll get three yeah well (laughs) i mean for this podcast i'll probably triple that on youtube i could get nine so 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 you ain't got sugar (laughs) i got nine to your three what's up um yeah, so my viewership on YouTube, because they kind of want you to pay to promote it, and eventually I will. I think by uh, episode 50 I will, but I'm getting a ton of activity on iTunes and Spotify. And uh, on my Facebook, well, um, I went from averaging three point five thousand to 9,000. And now um, my infectious disease person last week who, um, who was talking about co- vaccines for COVID and vetting <laughs> it for the FDA in the, FDA the process. She also lives in New York. And you know and all the protests, people throwing rocks at our house. It was crazy. So, <laughs> so um, she got 12,000. so wow. Um, so on my NY varsity sports handle on Facebook, I'm getting a lot of activity there. Um, well, very, that's very, nice, very, very happy. So so think, give me one player that you that you met that you played with. It doesn't matter if people know them or not because this ain't a validation game, it's a podcast. Oh. <laughs> who, who do you remember that started emotionally high and stayed there? Where you're like that person is not human. You mean? Beyond, Wait a second! Is it you? Beyond beyond me. <laughs> I was gonna say it's you. <laughs> I, I, I think I think
1: that's probably uh, maybe the biggest knock on me. People used to hate that.
0: <laughs> well, in a sixes game, you have to make sure everybody's on board with that too, right? I mean, doubles, yeah, I, you know,
1: because I, I, yeah, uh,
0: doubles you have to find. Well, sixes. It's,
1: it's tough. It's tough for your teammates because uh, you know you're playing with five other people and they're not that way. Mm-hmm. you could be rubbing them the same way as you're rubbing the other team. It's true. So, If there's so, anything uh, I hate. You had to make I, sure, you, to make sure oh. you were backing up whatever you were saying.
0: It's true. Yeah, and you got to have, again, you got to have six people that are on board, right? So, yeah, so, yeah for yeah. me, I hated when I like jaw across the net at someone, right? And the very next play, my guy gets aced. And the I'm, I'm, other no, I'm team is just like, oh, and I'm just like, y'all oh. can't have my yeah. back. Y'all can't have talk, my back.
1: <laughs> Do you know Tom Pestallesi? Yeah, uh, I so, know of. Okay, so we were we were playing we were playing together uh, at the nationals, and he uh, mm-hmm. was a middle blocker. I was right side, and you know so I'm I'm I get pumped up. Yeah. And uh, after after one play, he taps me on the shoulder. and goes, hey, "Let's save some of that energy. Let's let's put some of that energy into the game."
0: He's <laughs> like, "Dude, we're gonna be here for let's, a yeah, few let's days, let's man." Talk <laughs>
1: you you know national team guy maybe uh maybe I'll
0: uh, tone it down a little bit <laughs> okay so you got a um a club or or a club and um or you said a high school in Texas for boys uh
1: yeah boys club yeah all
0: right cool uh what else what else i know i know listen you you you're like a Jamaican i know you don't have just one job <laughs>
1: don't have just one job That's it. anything that's volleyball
0: oriented cool man
1: that's what i'm doing
0: are you yeah. doing and you're on the rules committee for uh USA volleyball for juniors? Oh, see, yeah, yeah, I have so many jobs, can I remember everything I do. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Like you know, I said, it's Jamaican. Third, <laughs> third year on that one. Yeah, the USA uh, Volleyball Rules Commission, which has been pretty fun because, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my biggest beasts were uh, coaches not being able to talk to the officials. So uh, yeah. that was uh, one rule that was uh, implemented into the uh, new 2019-2020 book.
0: That rule is what? So we can be a little bit more explicit here.
1: You say so. So let's just let's break it down to the easy part. So, uh, you had a protest, and the coach could not say anything about the protest. The captain had to go up and and uh protest your match or whatever protest whatever the call was. Um, so that rule has been modified to where now the coach can protest r1 doesn't have to come down uh doesn't have to come down from the stand if they don't want to um but you but you at least have the authority to uh protest your match and it should be the coach because the coach should have the uh all the knowledge to protest your players are not getting that information
0: that definitely helps like aau's and like like some of these club tournaments where um, I mean, I mean, look for the big ones. You're gonna have two refs, and at the end of the day, right? As a, as mm-hmm. the tournament size gets smaller, you're gonna have an up and down ref. But for some of these people, you, where the down ref is the work team, yeah, you should you should be able to talk to to a head coach. I think that's like yeah. a good rule, and I think it definitely benefits um, the uh, biggest population of volleyball, which is the juniors, right? Mm-hmm. When you look yep. at people who are playing NCAA or playing club or over or playing overseas, and I'm just talking about American kids. All right. Uh, the yeah. biggest, the biggest sample size in our, in our study, because we're the scientists uh, um, are the kids. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that, I mean, who stands to win um, the kids one, the coaches uh, two, and more importantly, the top breath, who's on the time clock, this match supposed to start at this time. And you, sometimes the, the, you know, you can have a pro, uh, a three set match, right? It's thirteen up, and he ain't trying to give up the goods, right? He's, yeah, right. he's gonna protest. <laughs> so now you had a match that, that's already gone to three sets, right? Now now it's already thirteen up. Now you got these guys warming up, and now you got everyone surrounding the court because their games are done, so they're just watching, and then boom, protest. Uh, and then and then yeah. volleyball, which is supposed to be engaging to the to the fans and other coaches and your contemporaries watching, has become this. <sighs> it's become this snooze fest so if their purpose is to speed up the game and keep it exciting don't don't make second and third hit uh not a double double hit don't make don't give someone two tosses you know or like you know what i'm saying like a, a a fault serve like tennis i mean some of these some of these rules and I'm, I'm i might out some coaches while i'm doing this but some of these rules just because the coach is respected and says they love it everybody else just gets on board i <laughs> freaking hate that dude we, we done, go back I've long done. enough how about re- how about we go back long enough where receive and serve, um. Uh, first contact uh, being a double is now legal. Oh, Al Skates, yeah. he said he loved it, and guess what happened? <laughs> sure. Okay, we do too. No, you don't, you dorks. <laughs> first of all, the referees haven't been properly trained on the difference between what's a double hit and what's a carry. You, you know, you got guys from Ramapo jump jumping in the air, both hands tossing this way. Sure, it's a double, but is it also a throw? That's a throw. If the rules say the ball cannot be held, carried, or thrown, you know. Right. And then second, for a long time they become a little bit relaxed with second hit, and like when you're putting third hit over, some of these guys put third hit over really hard. Though a lot of those are doubles, and under the rules, those are not actually protected by that the the first hit rule. Right. So I think I think it made uh, for a while it made the game sloppier, and a lot of people didn't notice because at the highest level. Um, you couldn't receive serve with your hands anyway. You just, oh, not Mm -hmm. accurately. Not, you know. And ball trajectory-wise, you know, the setter loses his court vision if you choose to just chuck it up with your hands. So even if the pass is in system, the ball has such a fast drop, (laughs) you know, because you're passing from up here instead of holding your platform and leaving it up there. Um, Yeah, so high level. I mean, they were the least affected. But we're not talking about that that small number of people. Sorry, guys.
1: Coming up, are the... uh... Is the double contact? Will that be uh, eliminated?
0: Yeah.
1: Ooh. There was supposed to, you know, before COVID hit, there was going to be some uh, <clears throat> data taken from the women's on the women's side Yeah. to, to see uh, if there were any advantages to the other or to the to the team that's doubling. Right. But uh, yeah. on the surface, there isn't. Hmm. So there's there's a lot of talk to eliminate the doubles call, because like I said, there's a lot of officials who are
0: inconsistent with that call. So because they can't do their job, they want to change the rule. Yeah. But, you know, if you look
1: on the what we're talking about protesting, there's coaches that don't know their job. They don't know the rules.
0: It changes the outcome of a lot of matches. Oh, I've seen good. some pretty, I've seen some pretty interesting matches in New York where you got a guy, a volleyball player who's trying to coach, who's trying to teach his kids, you know, uh, the right way to do it, and he's going against a soccer coach who the volleyball job got dumped on their lap, and the other side's just doing a chuck fest, but but they had the better athletes. Right. Mm-hmm. So if, if they don't have to play by the rules, they're going to win because they're the better athletes. So, so, and again, I, f- I sound like I'm nitpicking, but I'm not nitpicking because we cited as a pretext, at least in this, this section of our conversation, that this is the majority of the participants. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So, and, that, and that's, that's something they need to take into consideration as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially when you're talking about, well, we're talking about young kids coming up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we, we definitely want to keep teaching a skill and the skill will always be taught.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but just trying to keep the flow of the game, I think, is the purpose of this. I mean, FIBA is looking at, you know, is looking at making this change. So it's, I don't know, there, there, there's a lot there's a lot to look at. But going back to the younger kids, when the younger kids are playing, you want them to have as many touches as possible. So blowing that whistle every five seconds is not advantageous to them uh, learning the game. So you know, at uh, some point so, maybe, maybe the so, bills will help benefit the so younger. The, so the solution
0: yeah. is have a nice long rally where they broke the rule five times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh God help me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you, you mentioned the, the serve, the let serve, that uh instead of that counting as a point against the ground, if it hits the net and goes over, then you have a you get a second serve. So I I don't know about that one, but there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of new things that, that always come up every year, and I'm an old guy. I, you were probably uh, like five years old when uh, they let they let a front row player block a serve.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was '84 <laughs> Olympics. '84 Olympics. I watched uh, USA uh, play belt. Drib- uh, oh. I watched USA play Brazil in the, the gold medal match. Um, mm-hmm. Um, my, um, my mentor, Mario Trebich, was the assistant coach on the women's team, the, U- the US mm-hmm. women's team, Mario Trebich. And he had a video and he's like, you have to give this, it's a VHS. He says, you have to give this back and you can't share with anybody. I'm like, <laughs> don't share with anybody, why not? So it's just this video with no color commentary, just um, just the plays and you know the audience and the sounds of the crowd. And the third, third play of the game, they served the ball and Craig Buck, touch he touch blocked the ball and i'm just like you know whistle that was a re- that, that ain't a replay or something did it hit the net or you know did it did they say wait for the whistle and craig just you know craig just took a swipe at it i didn't i was confused yeah. as f man oh my goodness
1: oh. i think that was uh it was 82 or 83 when the rule first came out cuz so still i remember i was i was actually my first year years coaching at Englewood High School, and uh, Eric Soto was uh, was a senior at that time. So I remember they had some big kid that they just stuck up in the front row, and we'd serve a ball, and the guy was just be swiping him down, and yep. Eric go back and jumps everybody else off the court.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Because anything yeah. he jumps serves, it's gonna go off your blocking out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's good? Remind me <laughs> yeah. what what school did Eric play play for? Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Okay. Yeah. I saw Gary's daughter play at um, Northridge. She's on the women's beach team. She looked good. She was in their pair of man. And talk about chips off the old block. I was, um, I was with LMU. I was at John Mayer, and we had to play Northridge twice. So, I you know, you look at the last name, and you, 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 you want to ask, but you kind of already know the answer because <laughs> you see, like, even so a lot of these girls have their man, like, man features from their fathers or, or mm-hmm. whatever this and that. She looked good, man. She looked good. I'm glad. I'm glad. You know. It's crazy, like genetics plays into that, right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, look at the Yoders.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. I think with Lucas being my favorite, yeah. yeah, Lucas is one of these strange guys because he looks, he's introverted and he's playing volleyball and he's like, I want to, I think I'll play a little beach, right? He plays a little beach, plays like three tournaments, uh, makes the main draw twice out of the three times he plays and I'm like, dude, you got guys sweating it out in the qualifiers for two years and don't even sniff the main draw and he just comes out of nowhere and um, Baranic, he played with Baranek, Qualify with him and he, um and uh with somebody else. But he, he's a stud, dude. He, he was on the podcast. He was on the podcast. and, wow. and Dude, he nice. moonlights, too. He Uber, he's an Uber driver. He moonlights at night. So. Is that right? Yeah, you can have Lucas That's Yoder dry, driving you to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he That's does it just because it's interesting. Have. I think he does it because he's it's because it's interesting. Because listen, based on where he's living, where he lives, and and like his family upbringing and all that stuff, I don't think the guy's broke. I think the guy just does it for fun and maybe a little extra yeah. cash or whatever. So, so, but that's the kind of interesting guy he is. Like, you know, I'm like that's so cool. Let me tell you, he he was the reason that USC actually got to finish 14 and 14 that year. It's a few years ago. They started like one in seven. And they went on this ridiculous run to finish, to break off even that, that earned them the right to get their head chopped off the first round against (laughs) Long Long Beach state. Um, uh, uh, (laughs) Go go to the guillotine, (laughs) be a Patriot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I love some Lucas Yoder. So, so these are interesting rules. All right. These are the rules I liked all in 2001. All three rules at the same time was double hit, of being illegal. And for the people listening, I want you to know something very, very important. This is for you old school people. Receiving serve overhead was never illegal. It was only illegal to double it, okay? I've, uh, if you look in a rule book, in fact, I can give you a book called Volleyball Rules and Pictures that shows someone doing this <laughs> and saying, nice set. And they, they said, it's not illegal like a lot of people think, but it was, um, um, it's only, it was only illegal to double or carry it. So the rule was, it's now legal to double it. So that's 2001. The other two rules were, and this is what I like, but both of them um, hold hands. Um, Let's serve and rally. Mm -hmm. Let's serve and rally. Rally. Let's serve and rally. I think I'm glad both came together because they complement each other. Like if you're jump serving, uh, but you don't want to miss because you'll lose a point because it's rally. Mm -hmm. Maybe you won't you won't be as as risque about it, right? But yes. if it's rallying and it hits the tape, you're kind of alright. So, so those two you want to talk about speeding up the game and making it exciting. I thought those two complemented each other, and I I'm glad that if you're gonna you got to do them both, you got to do neither. So that was one of the rules I liked.
1: Yeah, it definitely worked out. I mean, it was a boy. I want to say a three or four year process getting to mm. where we're at today with rally scoring because there was a lot of experimentation trying to get out of the side out error.
0: Yeah, I take, I take That's Quite some, yeah. Well, I mean, you, what was your longest match for Christ's sakes playing side up? Oh my
1: gosh, <sighs> when we go to nationals, we get out at 11 11 p.m. midnight. It just like that's it. You go three matches and it's <laughs> they yeah. just went forever. Yeah,
0: yeah. The army European championship, I was in, in the military. The army European championship started Thursday, supposed to finish like Sunday um, morning, it finished mm-hmm. Monday. Four o'clock in the morning. So a lot of these, so the Army European Championship, like you have some civilians, okay, you get the day off, good for you. But for the people that have to report for duty on Monday morning, four in the morning or five in the morning, they didn't get to sleep. So you got to report for duty. Um, You, know, you get you, you know, you got to go on the run, got to go PT and then got to go train. So basically you're up all night and all day f- for the whole weekend. And then you got to report Dude. back that first. you just got to survive that first day. <laughs> That that's pretty tough. Yeah, man. I you know, even
1: well, jeez, uh, when we played um, grass or sandball, yeah, you know, you play, you'd hope you get done before uh, before it got before it got dark because there weren't no lights out anywhere.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, making so those eleven point play, games
1: playing in the
0: Yep, yeah, making those eleven point games was was, was a win too. You make mm-hmm. one to fifteen or uh, two to eleven, that was a win. They did that for the two thousand Olympics, right? Two to eleven, uh, Pottstown mm-hmm. Rumble. You know, all the open games, uh, um, were one game to fifteen, and I think I'm not sure if I remember double A was one was one game to fifteen, then they went two to eleven again. Um, if you ever played, because you're a big grass guy, I know you know what the Pottstown Rumble is, right? Mm-hmm. Big old big old tournament, ah. in Pennsylvania. Um. It's a big grass tournament. Oh, it's the biggest grass tournament in Pennsylvania. It's like that's like um, the boat ride in Wisconsin.
1: I think it was second to uh the motherlode, though.
0: That's yeah. Oh, motherlode's big. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you think about the big three, you got motherlode, which gets overshadowed because there's also beach and grass, right? Uh, then yeah. you got the boat ride. Um, in Wisconsin, Oshkosh. There's another name for it, I forgot. But that was... um, Uh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, but that's why I met the Baumgrins. actually. They were in that a lot. It's Grass Threes, uh, Beach Doubles, and I think grass doubles it's it's ridiculously good and but the biggest feature is grass 3s cuz you got a two blocker system one back row defender just just play running one of my boys Zacharias um, who set for oh. hunt for hunter and was on a dominican national team for a little bit you know he got, he had fun Elnis palomino um, who's who's oh. close- El, not Elvis, El Nis. Oh, there's, there's Elvis Elvis, Elvis. Elvis Rodriguez, <laughs> who, who's our guy, who's the king of New York for like 20 years. Yeah. And then yeah. there's El Niss. Nis who's on El okay. who's on a Dominican national team, and and he's, he's he's he goes back and forth from North Carolina to New York and he plays for Balmeso, mm-hmm. if you know the club team, Balmeso. Um, you run by Ulysses. I actually set for them a couple of times, and I, that was a good team, man. We didn't really. We only lost like a set. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but, yeah, I was the only guy in on the team that spoke English, but but in, <laughs> you never see a bunch of guys that are like big, and some of them are out of shape. They look like they're there for a barbecue, but, but when they get on the court, the skill set's tight, dude. You know, these oh, guys. Oh, you know who was
1: like that? Uh, uh, Venezuela
0: uh-huh. and uh, Dominican
1: Republican. Yep, uh, those 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 two teams that we used to play were, were yeah. like that.
0: That's bombazo. The whole team's Dominican. Yeah, yeah. yeah the whole so team's the think, whole team oh, is Santa, Santa Domingo, uh, Mocha. Some of them guys, you know, come back and forth on the national team. A lot of them, they they're supposedly stationed. Out of North Carolina, that's a, that's a joke. No, go to go to New York, go uptown, go to Washington Heights. They all up in there. it's us dancing to El, Elv Crepo because they don't say El They don't say Elvis Crespo. Bunch of lazy motherfuckers, right? No, Elvi. Dominicans up in New York, and I, I'm, I'm, I got to let you talk. But Dominicans in New York, if if the word the, the word doesn't start with the letter S, it, the S ain't the S ain't gonna be in it. So it's not Como Esta. It's es Como Esta. Right, it's not uh, me gusto, bela, me, me gusto, baila. So it's not Elvis <laughs> Crespo, it's Elvi Crespo. <laughs> That's why you can't understand the word you said, right? You study Spanish, you learn Spanish, you're trying to have a conversation, you, and, you, uh-huh. and you're just in the middle of that, and you're just like, I give up. <laughs> I give up. I give up. So, my, my um potential Jamaican friend, we're going to talk about another one <laughs> of your other jobs. Go, you did gold medal square. Yes. Who's who's involved now with you? Who's involved with Gold Medal Square? Yeah, with you for the for the indoor scene. I know Betsy Flint was. Um, um, you know, she's an outdoor player because they. they um... Well, I mean, it's
1: well, it's not me. It's who not me, Gold Medal Square involved with me. There's, it's uh the organization was founded by Carl McGown, who recently passed away. Um, uh, but mm. man, there's probably over 200 coaches that are used throughout the summertime to go do summer camps. So it's, it's pretty tough. So there's, oh, so there's a lot of people that I work with throughout you know every year.
0: Cool. Who's the most fun, yeah. fun person you worked with? Oh man. Brandon McLaughlin. <laughs>
1: That's probably the guy I do. Uh, I go overseas with. So we've done that for like five years, five years or so. But I mean, I, I, I would say that gold medal Square does a great job of venting their coaches. It is pretty rare that you'll come across some personalities that don't get along. I right. I've, I've, I've only heard stories about it. I've never, I've never experienced it. It's, it's pretty rare. They, they do a, a really good job.
0: That's cool. Really. good job. Yeah. yeah. And we did, we had a little conversation about vetting coaches. I, I, I remember that we were, um we had a conversation about, um, what, the coach from, um, God, <laughs> did we just skip that part since I can't remember his name? <laughs> 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 no, let's just say vetting coaches is important because there are certain people out there who are, who are still getting work um, when when they shouldn't be in that line of work. <laughs> there's certain, there's, certain, there's some people that should not be working with kids, you know? Um, yeah. Um, being a New York coach for any sport is big. You just get vetted. You got to go through the, the, the public school system, got to get certified for this and that. So I was the head coach of Hunter High School for five years mm. and um, Hunter High School had a clause that um, you didn't have to be a school teacher to um to coach to coach sports in your school because they weren't mediated by the board New York State Board of Education. They were mediated by CUNY, City City University in New York. They mm. were supposedly a prep school. Hunter High School was supposedly supposed to be a prep school for Hunter College. Come on, that's a lie. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is a school that leads the nation in two very important categories. Um cumulative SAT scores and Ivy uh-huh. League application acceptance. Number one in the country really? for, for a decade. I think they were second one year, but they've been first place every year for the last 10, 10 13 years. Um, wow. So smart kids school. But, and they're not a prep school for Hunter because half them kids don't go to Hunter. They're not going to go to Hunter. They're going to go <laughs> somewhere else, you know? So... So, but I, I made I had to make sure my certifications and and meeting the the, the um, legal requirements because it's a state law in New York to uh, to actually coach, and I'm I'm so glad they do that. State sport is good, right? USA mm-hmm. Safe sport is good. Just just yep, yep. you know, I like state sport because the coaches who don't do the wrong thing, who do the right thing, can appreciate how easy it is to be in the middle of doing everything right and still getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> they're like, look, you could do this and that and that, right? But because, yeah. but if you know some, you don't say nothing. Guess what? You just as you're, you're, you're vilified. You're just as wrong as that person that exactly. did that. So, and that's exactly. important. God, it's 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 refreshing because it, it's if the safety of the kids, if they're if, if we're supposed to practice what we preach.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, it holds us coaches accountable for sure. No, no hey, no you doubt. know, I, I think what we were talking about with uh, Gold Medal Squared was uh recently. Gold Medal Square uh, instituted a scholarship program for African-American coaches and, uh, and some for minority coaches overall. Right. So
0: yeah, so that's,
1: uh, that would be a good program. So if you're out there, go to goldmedalsquare.com and put your application
0: in. No, no doubt. Yeah, man, African-American coaches too, man. We need more of them in our lives. Um, um, off camera, I was talking to you about one of my guys, uh, Patrick Dietz. Uh, for those of you listening, Patrick Deitz is an East Coast guy. A lot of you may not know him on the West Coast, but because everybody stays in that little bubble, but anyone in <laughs> the East Coast knows Patrick. Patrick um, has become this like you know, division three upstart to this, you know, playing with Crail to to being this commentating savage. So I, I would love to see him and Kevin Barnett work together uh, on the indoor scene. Kevin Barnett's like God indoor and I, and outdoor I can't stop teasing the dude. I I can't stand to do it outdoor. But but in, indoor he is he is become the measuring stick in which other commentators have become compared. So so Patrick, Patrick does a little real estate doesn't he? Yeah. Patrick does real estate um, just like everybody else, you know, because I mean, because not everybody can, you know, unless you get three of three volleyball jobs, you got to you got to do something else like like Fenua, right? Eric Fanua Moana, he's him, yes. Hermosa Beach. He's doing real estate. So, you know, the uh, the MC, the guy that the guy that does MC for the AVPs, he works at Verizon. So, so. Talking about, uh, Dane? Not Dane, um, the MC. I forget his name. Um, they got that does. Oh, uh, no, the DJ. Oh, sorry, DJ Roche. Oh, I don't know. Who yeah. That is. He's he's a volleyball DJ, um which is a oh. specialty like just knowing music when to put music in for the sport of volleyball for outdoor and he's 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 the measuring stick. I would like to say he's the measuring stick in which many are compared. But anyway, Patrick, right? Played for City uh, Tech. I was I was actually the head coach. Um one offensive player of the year for NECFA. Um, there were Division One, Two, and Three being ranked together. There were people that played eight more matches than him, and he had the same number of hitting attempts. <laughs> 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 he was a savage at the time. His reach was eleven five, and I mean that's that's actually pretty good for Division Three sports because you're only you're not gonna run into like-minded uh, uh, players like that until the final four. Where, sorry, that's
1: pretty exceptional for D three. Yeah.
0: Well, like, yeah. the, look, like the final four and all the divisional finals, you're going to run into D1-worthy athletes because right. because they these guys are going to play overseas one two. They're most kids for men's volleyball. People listening at home are not there for the scholarship, so you know. I mean, <laughs> I go to a Miracosta game. Oh, my son got a school full scholarship, and I'm like,
1: you, yeah, right, You're right. Here.
0: For again. If you're still listening, people at home, you're, uh, they only allow 4.5 scholarships per team. So you telling me on an 18-man 18, 18 roster, your son got a full ride, and your son's a boss like that? I don't believe you. I call, B-baloney. baloney.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it no, is, so, it is
0: pretty rare. So Patrick, from that point on, uh, took over my duties. I was do, I was calling all the CUNY finals. Which is on TV, oh. by the way. They have great coverage. They have more people at the CUNY finals than the MPSF, actually. So not bad, probably- not bad for a bunch of you know whatever. And then Patrick um found his niche commentating. And the three people he looks up to because he is an African American coach. He's at Mount Saint Vincent right now, um, mm. and coaches um Cali volleyball and on, on the East Coast as a club called Cali. It's like, um, um, the three people he 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 looks up to is Dane Blanton. Beach coach, the head coach of, um, recently head coach of USC, but long, long time coming, long time assistant and, um, um, a pretty decent club coach and Olympic gold medalist. Um, the other African American coach was, nope. Was it a player? It was you. Okay, you 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 you're no slouch, right? You, you're Volley Mac coach, coach of the Year in 2018. I uh, won another coaching award in 2019, and CCSA Coach of the Year in 2017. Ha! <laughs> no study. <laughs> um, and the third coach escapes me, but for some reason I can't get out of my head Dexter Rogers. Dexter. Dexter Rogers I didn't know his capacity on the coaching scene but I I remember him playing for the national team and I remember him playing in 93 and I remember him playing in 94 and then when the 96 Olympics come I was like where is he you know so (laughs) so Patrick was like it's criminal that this guy's looking for a volleyball work to coach to coach a team and he can't you know um, sniff an interview and and I, I wish there was some kind of process or or do you know of any process like uh, like a Rooney rule like the NFL has that uh, that mandates that they should interview some African American candidates
1: um no th- there was not a mandate He said that's why that's what's good about uh, gold Model squared coming up with the, with the program um there there is an age there is a age limit on that but you know I'm sure if if there were a coach that was beyond the required, required aid for the scholarship, um, that they were, they, they would be more than willing to reach out and, and help um, because that organization has the resources. i you know, John Sparrow is the national team coach and UCLA coach. Uh, Mike Wall is the uh, assistant coach on the national team. There are, there, there are a ton of head coaches out there that um, can help, uh, Push people into the right direction. That's good. Or to help know. pull them to the right direction. I guess yeah. you could say too.
0: It's good to know because Patrick and I were talking about meritocracy, and like mm. volley, volleyball, out of all sports, is like one of the places that has a pure meritocracy. And I had to correct him on that. I said meritocracy, um, if you if you if, if there's a stair running competition in a building, meritocracy is when you're already in the building. And if you run hmm. 45 flights, you run 45 flights. If you run 35 flights, you run 35 flights. If you're a savage and you're running all 70, good for you, okay? Hmm. I'll see you on the way down. I'll call 911 <laughs> we'll and we'll all have some drinks in the emergency room. <laughs> all right. Um, so running the stairs is meritocracy. Getting in the building is not. Hmm. All right. That, that would be true. It, it's uh, for anyone who's served in the military. I, I call it officers to officers and enlisted men to enlisted men. You have people because they came up. I'll give you an example. Someone in California, right? Good player, played, gets with the, uh, an exclusive club team, gets to play with them, right? And mm-hmm. because they're an exclusive club team, they get looked at by colleges. And because they get looked at by colleges, they get recruited. And after they graduate, they coach club for maybe a couple of years. And because everybody knows them, they get an assistant coaching job at the at, for an NCAA program. And if the job falls in their lap, they're a head coach. So mm-hmm. it's one of those. That's so it's something like, if like someone like me who's been coaching for 21 years, you can't. Yeah, I mean, I don't even get the interview. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and and everybody's like, oh, this is D3 and D2 or D1, and I would suggest to you, I'm not, I, and I'm not speaking for everybody, coaching D3 is more difficult because you don't get handed a, a team that's crewed up. <laughs> All right, you know, you 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 have to do more with less, and in the CUNY system for a long time, and they're better now. They were great, and then they sucked, and then they were great again. Um, in the CUNY system, at least five out of those. 10 teams or six out of those 10 teams on their 10 or 15 person roster are going to have two people that never even played the sport. <laughs> so oh, but isn't just,
1: that what coaching about? You're, you're there to teach.
0: Well, so you can also be a glorified babysitter too and, <laughs> get, and get credit well, for that.
1: Well, that's a different type of coach. I mean, you know, it's, anyone can coach talent I mean, that's just, that's just easy, but you still, but there's that coach at that level that has to, Put that talent together, right? And put strategies together according accordingly with that. So yeah, you can't just well, I don't know. I just said it, but you can't just say anybody can coach a talented team. Yeah, you can sit on the sidelines and let the kids go.
0: Oh, we know that's if, not true either. But, yeah,
1: yeah, but if you want to win a championship, you mm. gotta know you gotta know what you're doing.
0: Of course. Yeah. You how how about I out somebody right now? How about Jeff Nygaard? Guy's been the coach at USC for what six years? He's had like two uh, two winning seasons. So maybe yeah. he's been he's only had like two winning seasons. I don't count 14 and 14 a winning season. He had one season mm-hmm. in the second year I thought that was pretty good. And then there was one year they made they they actually made the NCAAs because they were undefeated at home. They were 11 they were 11 and home 15-9 record but 11 and home at 1 which earned them the right to get their head chopped off by Division Lewis, a Division 2 program no less. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, right? And, well, yeah, Olymp- so Olympian? Sure. No, but Olympian volleyball a talented mm-hmm. player. Uh, gets gets handed the, a job that is a hotbed for recruiting. That is the, mm-hmm. the that represents the mecca of of indoor and beach volleyball sports. And you you trying to tell me the best you could do is fourteen and fourteen? Oh, you could do well, fifteen you know, and
1: nine.
0: I, I don't know, not knowing the circumstances of that,
1: because I, I actually had an opportunity to work with with Jeff at a USA at a USA uh, camp one
0: year. Yep.
1: And. Being able to listen to his philosophies and and see how he coaches,
0: uh-huh.
1: I think I think he's one of the he's one of the the best ones out there. He now, is how, now, but
0: he but is. How, I sound like I'm crapping on him, well, but, but it I, recruits
1: recruits he gets. So that's a whole different that's a whole different story. At that point, so I think this past year is the first year that he had his recruits come in. Good. Yeah, I think that I think last year was the first year, and they got up to a really slow start.
0: They uh, did, but being undefeated at home, man, really it, helps, you know. Yeah, Jeff, yeah. if you're out there, it, it sounds like it, I'm it, crapping it, on you, but at the end of the day, um, I am attacking a volleyball coach with volleyball. So, so if anyone yeah. thinks, oh, <laughs> oh, you're coming after Jeff, or you're attacking, no, I'm attacking a volleyball player with volleyball. He knows yeah, as well uh, as I do. Either you get the job done or you do not, right? Yep. So or, or, um a- yeah, right. And should not yeah. should he not be called to the carpet? Coaching the right. coaching the most important f- franchise in, in in decades the uh, the the a hot boot a hotbed for recruiting, you yep. know yep. and and like you just told me, good for him he got he got the guys he wanted. He got the client how he wanted and and slow start because I guess that's sometimes and that's not really his fault. Sometimes that's the kids you coach. They they get so good so fast, right? Mm-hmm. They think they got it all figured out. No, nah, I'm gonna do it my <laughs> way, and then you suck doing it your way, and then finally, somewhere in the middle of the season, you do it his way and then you start winning. So yeah. So yeah. um funny how so, that works. Yeah. So <laughs> but that comes with the job too, right? Yeah. I mean, do you think Anna yeah, Collier, you think Anna Collier had that problem? People trying to do stuff their way? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Come on. We, for anyone who knows Anna Collier, she's the head, uh, former head coach of uh, the Trojans, the, the, the job that um, the women of Troy, beach volleyball the Dane took over. One of the last of the red-hot power women, like Lauren Bacall, like, like uh, Greta Garbo, like um, yeah, Catherine Hepburn, the kind of woman that walks into a room and men know how to behave. <laughs> they, they all of a sudden they stand up because she's there and she's leaving. She's like, no, no, you don't have to. You know <laughs> that woman doesn't exist anymore because they're not born anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that yeah, Chi DiMaggio, Um I'll throw out a name a lot of people don't know. Patricia lives in New Orleans. I lives in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. She's the one that built City Tech from the ground up. They didn't have a club team. She's mm-hmm. she's the one that 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 basically sculpted uh, Patrick's psyche because um, Patrick uh, the muscles between his ears is where he lost all his battles. You know, which is mm-hmm. I guess at that level, right? Those are those are the where everybody else is, is, is bossing and jumping and and hitting and blocking and each other. You know, there, that's what the high
1: level. You're you're separated right there upstairs.
0: No, no doubt, no doubt.
1: I, I've seen Olympians go downhill just from losing it upstairs.
0: Oh, what was the college you coached um the NIA I coach you coached in California? Uh Chapman. Chapman.
1: I did uh yeah, Chapman. And uh before that I was at USC. I did the club team there.
0: Cool. Yeah. 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 I'm attached to <laughs> USC in so many ways, dude. You know, Todd Hollenbeck? back? Todd Hollenbeck, He was Jeff Nygaard's assistant for two years. He mm-hmm. was also the head coach at Santa Cruz. He won um, Coach of the Year by Ace, AVCA in 2015. Todd oh, okay. Hollenbeck. Um, I call him Sexy Jesus. He's just like this big, <laughs> this, this big old, this big old beard. Just looks like this friendly, <laughs> jolly guy, you know. And right now he's at Menlo. He's the head coach at Menlo. Um, oh. So that, that, might, that must be a
1: new job, right? Is that yeah. a New job. Yeah. Because I, I can't remember. There's some. I can't remember. I, I thought I played with someone from there. Yeah. will um, tell you how old I am, though. Please. With Dane, uh, Dane Blanton, I used to play down at Laguna Beach you know, before the co- uh, course got all washed away. <laughs> but he used to come, I played with his older brother, and he would come down as a 12, 13 year old playing. And that's when you knew that, that kid was just going to be Yeah. dynamite.
0: <laughs> his and older sure brother was good, right?
1: Pepperdine, yeah, yeah.
0: His older brother was good there, right?
1: Yeah. Kurt, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Pepperdine yep. is that who we played for? He played for yeah. Pepperdine. Dane, yeah. excellent. Yep. Yeah, Pepperdine has um, a, a history of, of producing nice guys too. Uh, right? You I'd look at well, Jeff Stork. If, if you, uh, if, if John if you John, Mayer? John Mayer, John Mayer, yeah. uh, Sean hey, those, Sean Rooney.
1: <laughs> those are those are men that come out of that program. Yeah, and good good people that come out of that program. Un- unbelievable what he did
0: and how he recruited it. But uh, the whole. How, the whole term, nice guys finish last? Yeah, they do. They're, they're the last teams left at the end, if, you, if that's what you mean. No, but yeah. look at the guys we just named. All right, first of all, there's Mark Dunphy, who we know is the ultimate nice guy, right? Jeff Stork, mm. Bob Stover, League played together. I think they ran a 6-2 and then played together in 88 and then 92, right? Setter and um outside. Um, I And I emulated my game. I became a setter watching videos of Jeff Stork. I was an outside hitter in Germany. Oh. And then my coach was like, you should set," And that, all I did was watch videos of him. So when I saw him, when I saw him, you know, I got starstruck. I thought I saw Jay, Jay-Z. <laughs> Joe Stork! And he just goes, he looks at me, he just goes, you know, like, okay, you know, I'll, I, you know, I got to be nice because he, 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 you know, I got a fan. He's <laughs> um, so whatever. So I'll go on. I'll go on. How about John Mayer? Won an NCAA championship with him and he's actually the coach at LMU. Um left handed guy. He played um with, recently with Trevor Crab, played with Ryan Dougherty, played, mm-hmm. played with Matt Prosserp, played with won an A V P with Jeff Nygard, um, Sean Rooney, right? National team. Um coaches Great. coaches one of the Rockstar club teams out here and I run into him all the time. He's a good guy. I think he's assisting
1: still at Pepperdine now.
0: Yeah. And he's very good yeah. at remembering first names. I I I appreciate that when you say hi to everybody, and sometimes someone says hi and you don't remember, you just say hi in case until you yeah. do remember. Um, now he's just he's just very very good at remembering people. So, and um and I only knew him uh, well enough because he was John Mayer's roommate. So and in, mm. col- in college. So, um, you know
1: Steve Friedman. No, he was uh oh man I can't remember. I want to say early nineties. Uh. When they won the championship, uh, he was the MVP for them that year. But uh, he's out there. I'm going to say in Laguna Beach area, but uh, same thing. Just good people. Huh? Just good people.
0: Nice. All right. Yeah. Speaking of good people, what someone they, they someone blew you up on my social network? What happened? You, we were talking about that before we came on. What happened? Wait, what? What, what happened? Oh, oh, you said oh. someone blew 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 you up on my social on my social network. Well,
1: a couple of the a couple of the. Uh, Penn, Penn State uh, coaches and uh, we had done a we had done a, a holiday camp down in San Diego
2: uh-huh. and
1: uh, we're supposed to go we're, we're going to go out to lunch and they go let's go to Chipotle or to or they want to call it <laughs> <laughs> and and that was during the time where uh Chipotle had some bad news going about them E. coli or something going on with their food I'm like there's no way I'm going to eat there and they're like oh no no it's okay it's okay so now we got this running joke about me not going to Chipotle, and uh, and uh, they said I was uh, I was kind of wrong about uh, about not about Chipotle and saying that they would be out of business, which I was wrong because they're still in business and they haven't killed anybody. So
0: that's okay. They all they all lived, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got to so, pay that medical bill, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so they
1: so they still go to Chipotle. And, that's,
0: fine. that's just our that's our running joke. It's oh, good! Oh, oh, thank the Lord! <laughs> I thought it was something else, man. <laughs> oh, no 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 no! It's pretty 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 innocent. I'm not yeah. I'm
1: not I'm not too
0: wild. <laughs> I am, but I mean, I, I but I love God. I I love cute mistakes. Like I had a um, this segment on my show called True or False a few years ago. Uh-huh. True or false? i one of the crab crab brothers. Will win an AVP, and I said false. I said I don't think either one of them are going to win this year. I mean, they showed they could make the finals. You know, at the time they were playing together, right? Uh huh. And then um, a month later, uh, Taylor plays with Jake, and he wins New York. Oh yeah. And he Remember. comes on my show. Um, this is how cool Taylor Crab is. Like he's hard to get a hold of these days because I mean uh. we I mean we all little people now. But but um, <laughs> when he was he took the interview. Um, boarding the plane in New York and they were boarding and instead of boarding, he sat and took the interview and did the, did the 20 minute interview with me, which is a oh, testament, wow. which is a testament to that kid's coolness. So you yeah, know, I know he likes to party, he likes to drink and this and that, but when it comes to his discipline, uh, when his practices are and you know, his media obligations and, and when it's actually time to get on, get on the court and play, it's a kid that keeps uh-huh. his promises, man. I got to give him his props. So, so this 20 minute interview, he, I don't think he knows that I said that on my pre on, uh, a couple of episodes right so I think someone told him they said this guy said you weren't going to win an AVP championship so he's <laughs> so after the interview is over he sends me a message because the segment's called true or false seeing the future so he's oh, like dude oh. you need to work on your, your future seeing skills bro <laughs> <laughs> he says i just won one i was just on the phone with you and i said dude <laughs> i said dude i'm sorry it's just like the way i was i saw it you know with him and trevor yeah. him and trevor they got to four finals and and they were close and then you got you gotta get you gotta win one before people crack the code you know before be, because it's a copycat league people are gonna make adjustments yeah. you know so you there you go. There it is. So, and he's like, nah, I was just effing with you. You know, I was just having a little fun with you. In this. And that was a cool thing. So I, I like, I'm a big fan of like innocent mistakes, you know?
1: Yeah, it's always good to prove somebody wrong
0: though. Yeah, it is. Oh, <laughs> just ask Jason Olive, man. That dude, yeah. <laughs> that, you ever prove that dude wrong? He, he's going to invade your wall until he's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jason Olive.
1: Though.
0: Jason Olive. I I I'd like to call him a brother from another mother, but I don't know him that well. But uh, uh, but on the subconscious level, that's where we are. We argue, we fight like family. You know what I'm saying? We we uh-huh. disagree, but at the end of the day, he knows as far as like whose side anybody's on. I'm I'm always be on his side, You're a bit of, mm. but I'm not a yes. He know I ain't no yes man. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm I am an alpha, but I don't I don't I don't emote like that to um right. To, to um to remind people of that. No, I just I'm worse. I I met people back me into a corner and and clean their clock and then I'm wrong for it. So so maybe <laughs> Jason's doing something right and I'm doing something wrong. So it,
1: it, that, that man is uh, he's got a passion for yeah. for a lot of things, I think, which is probably where why he's where he's at right now in right. his life. And uh, I, I respect that the man goes out there, does his research yep. and is able to back up what he says. Yeah. As opposed to how we hear a lot of uh, opinions from people. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a His, I'm a fat guy my fat guy myself. I
0: yeah. just well you're I, mo- I, you're more of the conscience of this of social media than he is. You because you're at least <laughs> no you're, you're fair. Jason's probably, right a lot and he's well researched, but he's not always he's not always fair about it you know yeah. he's been like all i yeah. do is all i do is spit out facts and whatever and i'm like well that's actually not a fact that's an opinion generated by historical facts that you you put together and my mm. and my my assertion to you is the facts you put together have to be logically connected right the sky is blue mm. i have a knapsack on my back <laughs> right those are both facts but what the hell does one thing got to do with the other so uh-huh. so i mean you, you you can't state opinions and call them facts you know and that's always Correct. been my qualm in him, but uh with that being said, his there are people who um, represent themselves by symbolism and and that's fine too, and there are certain people mm-hmm. um, where symbolism is not enough and activism is is more than that. His activism off the social network and and the the recent and distant past is well documented. So mm-hmm. there's some people who say it, and it's important to say it too, right? Because if you say yes. it, you say it, you remind people. So I'm not trying to ill out on them people either, you know? Um, I just say ill out. But um, um, symbolism is one thing. Activism is another. So I really, really appreciate the fact that he's he's been out there. And, and, and I don't know if he's continuing to do it, but if if, he, if he's retired from doing it, he's already done it. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, been, he's been busy this
1: whole COVID shutdown. Yeah. Yeah, he's got his daughter involved. He, yep. His daughter even started a new uh, baking company. Yeah, And they get so big been, so uh, fast. Huh? Cookies and, and, yep. donate, and donating the money that they get from that to uh, firehouses and hosp- hospitals. So he is constantly on the move. I don't even know where he finds the time to do everything. I,
0: th- I just so, think he gave up sleep. I Because I, I was like, perfect. dude, I was like that for a decade. And the only way you can do that is not is not sleep. Hmm. All right. From basically from 2002 all the way to 2012, I was coaching volleyball. I was working a nine to five in a medical practice, a cardiology field. I was hosting karaoke one or two nights a week. Um, <laughs> I was a full time student at Marymount Manhattan College studying theater. Wow. And when I wasn't studying, I was doing shows. And when I wasn't doing shows, uh, summertime you know I'm playing tournaments. And I used to I used to pick grass tournaments that I knew would make me fast money that would, that would pay for my summer school. Uh, uh-huh. Like if the Post Town Rumble was happening, I'd go to Connecticut and maybe Sherwood. <laughs> Sherwood, if they're having a tournament, I'd clean up. You know, it's $500, $400 first prize. I go there, I had sponsors. Um, Tiva Sandal sponsored me for a little bit. Um... So me and my boy, Eugene, the guy, play, uh, they call him Flacco. He said he played for, um op. he's a middle and Apple for Bameso. We would go to these tournaments and we'd be like, okay, this guy's going to be there. Good. All right. That's who we got to beat in the finals. Are we going to win? That guy's going to be there. All right. Boom. past Town Rumble. Boom. We're cleaning up. You know what? <laughs> uh, take me to the mother load. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Give me my 400 here. So, so. um, There used to be some I, decent money uh yeah. in grass and sand. Yeah.
1: Pretty good. To well, back in the what, the early '90s, towards yeah. the the mid '90s, there was some what, good money. What back. was
0: the highest you finished from Motherloot? For me, Pottstown fifth is the best I could do. I
1: played yeah, du- I, I played double. Not, a. Even, not even close to that. Yeah, I my play, biggest finish in a big tournament like that was when Irvine, Irvine College ran a Irvine University ran a a grass tournament. And I took first and a second. There. Nice. It's like, uh, yeah, those are, yeah, those, those other tournaments are,
0: they're they pretty tough. They're grueling because it's about dragging people into deep waters. You play the side out game and, um, you know, occasionally you'll break out a competitive serve because, you know. Uh-huh. And, yeah. In fact, well, they- you, gotta, I think, you know you
1: got you, you, you have to rely on your partner. Your yeah. partner's got to not break down just like you can't break true.
0: down. Well, from yeah. the reason my grass success came out from siding out like operating out of like seventy or eighty percent, and like the jump I operated out of a hundred percent because I knew hmm. those are the ways you were going to get your fast points. But siding out it's a big court. You know what I'm saying? Grass court setup net. It's it's probably seven eleven and five eighths uh, <laughs> on the sides. Never mind the middle, right? Yeah. Um So yeah, those balls, one on one, and and a good set. Come on, man, you could side out all yeah. day. So yeah, yeah. So, there, was, there was no stopping. Yeah. Hey. Mark Burick was but, like Mark hey, you, Burek, I, well, I, mm-hmm. I said I'm
1: I'm old, so I can't yeah. even imagine what my career would have been like playing on these on the smaller courts that we had. Right. I, that. Yeah. that just would have been incredible
0: i think and it offsets each other because what's well, more difficult because the ball we played back then was drop friendly mm. the spalding like the top flight that was black and white uh, yeah. even if you miss you can't miss that ball's not going to go out you're just worried about not yeah. serving in the net <laughs> you know um the wilson is friendly if you keep your promises on elbow back elbow forward you know the Mikasa, the fiv ball you gotta be you gotta Put your hand into you it. Gotta re- if you miss that, it's gone. Like yeah. Every time I jump yeah. serve a ball out, I'm, it's in the air so long, I'm like, that thing deserves a stewardess and in an in-flight <laughs> movie. It's gone. <laughs> that's a flight. That's not a, that's not a serve. Yeah. And people don't understand that. Like mm-hmm. the, the ball's made a difference.
1: I mean, you had to learn... You had to know how to manipulate every single ball. So if you're endorsed, Tasha Kara was a was a ball you had to learn how to maneuver. It. It's true. That was a nice little soft touch ball yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. very setter friendly though yes you know very setter friendly middles are using their hands (laughs) (laughs) come on you want to you want to really talk about that back in the day stuff every time a middle put his hands up the ref was like (gasps) he's just waiting for you to do it (laughs) I, I, was, I had a hey, middle. That was me
1: whenever I put my hands up. It was I,
0: automatic. And you're a brother, too. So you're a brother and you put your hands up. Damn. <laughs> Ooh, I'm getting all racist on you right now. <laughs> no, that was, no, that was only if I was on the beach. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Wait, did I say that? Yes, now? you did. Come on. Yeah, okay. Who who gonna vilify you for that? Come on. You know what? Anyone that calls you out from that, you just be you just say the same thing all over again, and you show them examples because they know they know um, your opinion based on historical facts. <laughs> no, but I, I, I've had games where uh, I, I had a friend of mine that played. Um, moon, He's moonlighting beach in the summer, and he was a middle, and sometimes off hands. Like in this system these days, like the libero takes the offset, but back then it was the oppo. So sometimes, so yeah. what we would do, he would just set. He, he out of the middle would just set. And, he, and as soon as he put up his hands, I've had a ref actually blow the whistle. Right? And we all stop and we all look at him and we knew the ref effed up. And, then, and the ref has to just call a replay, just admit he's wrong, which is, uh-huh. is rare, but we've seen that happen yeah. from time to time. <laughs> um, um, or he'll just make up a call.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> and you can argue, which we well, my team's too mature we just don't. We, yeah. we will let him know he messed up. We'll just go. You know, but cuz we know arguing uh, is not going to make a ref say you're right. I changed my mind. Not on the yep. cer- certainly not on the double hit or a carry, okay? It is what it is and are, in the history of our, our, our uh, of our association with this sport as players and coaches, we've never seen a ref change their mind about a double or carry ever. You know, unless they <laughs> effed up on a double and you're like it's first contact and they gotta reverse the call, okay?
1: Um, and typically you'll see that you'll see them go they'll go, My bad, my bad, because they know they made a mistake. They won't change the call.
0: Yeah.
1: But they'll let you know that they messed up. Good. Yeah. Like that helps out I mean, <laughs> It does.
0: And then as and the longer you play and the more um you the, the less grief you give the refs, the more candid they are, at least after the match too. Hey, you know yeah. what? Yeah. The end of that match, um, my bad. Because Candidness has to work both ways, right? Do coaches make mistakes that cost points? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the time. I just, I just, I felt like I just hung Jeff Nagard out to dry <laughs> when I didn't really mean to. I'm just, I'm just, sometimes look, you just got to call it what it is, right? You got to call it what mm-hmm. it is. I mean, from, I mean, if I'm coaching City College and we're not good enough to win, it's okay to say I'm not good enough to win, but not him. No, he ain't exempt. He ain't exempt. <laughs> he ain't exempt. Yeah, no so, one's exempt. Um, yeah, so the more... You realize mistakes happen all the time. Coaches make mistakes. Um, players, oh, double hit—they hit the net on the follow through—is um, a uh, due to human errors. What makes it th- what makes us think the referees are any different? I mean, we just don't. I just don't want the arrogance. I don't want yes. their ability to to not say, you know, hey, you know what? I missed that call. My bad. I'm 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 on it. You know, this and that. This this way, there's 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 a relationship, and I'm I'm, I'm talking about club. I'm talking about NCAA. I'm talking about high school. I'm talking about even the pro- the the professional scene where the the mm-hmm. referee, the re- relationship between the coaches and players and refs is profound. It's just you know, it's like God. That guy's been reffing even reffing my club games, and here he is. So and that's you know that goes back to the
1: what we were talking. about about earlier about coaches being able to talk to the officials now because an official I believe that a, a lot of officials were arrogant and when you have a 14 16 year old kid coming up to you I mean I've, I've seen it multiple times where they just brush the kid off hey I'm the ref you're the player I make the decision go away
0: so which isn't that, fair that, that kind of
1: crap's got to stop
0: yeah kids like I'm yeah. the I'm supposed to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> is this the yeah. backwards seat? Did I what do it wrong? <laughs>
1: <laughs> For me, it was almost. This is extreme, but yeah, you know, almost borderline abuse mm-hmm. to that kid. Yep. So, I mean, they weren't verbally abusing the kid or anything, but
0: yeah. you
1: know, you're discounting whatever they have to say, and if they don't say it right, you can't get what you want anyway. So yeah, that had to be that had to be stopped. Randy, and plus,
0: Randy Stokel just said, "Just side up, baby." I was
1: really bad because because you can't talk to the ref, but I'd send my player up, they come back to me, send him back up, you go back and forth.
0: you do that for five minutes. <laughs> Look, sometimes you need your kids to translate. Sometimes the coach gets so angry. You need your kid. You know that you're like. How about you go up there and tell that ref to get off his fat ass and make some calls. And, but your kid, who's the captain, is like, listen. Um. Um. The guy hit the net twice, and I, I, My. My coach just wants you to watch out a little more. So. That, so sometimes you need. You need the interpreter need that, that speaks that from. That speaks coach to English. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Stokeless, by the way, just messaged us. Said, um, just side out, baby. <laughs> yeah. oh, <there> you go. <laughs> cool dude, man. He is. <laughs> I, I, I like him a lot. He's one of the color commentators for P1440 who I was uh, working for as well. I, I did all the Pepperdine's home games um, oh, at really? the beach. Uh, all, I did all, almost all of the games. I missed one, but, and I did all of their invitationals and the big West championship when Hawaii played Cal Poly, I call that um, um, the five commentators were Mike Dodd, um, Rob Sparrow, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Travis Muirriter who writes for Volley Mag and he breathed life into that uh, magazine and art mm-hmm. and, and, and internet periodical. Um, Tim Hov, turning back the clock. Mm. The man watches his mouth. He's good when he watches his mouth. <laughs> and, and of course me. So they, they called us the, the Fab Five. We, we commentators for each court. Casey came in as a guest because Casey's, okay. Casey, Casey is, Casey Jennings is P-1440 really. Um, uh-huh. And there have been there been a mixed match of people coming in and out, but the, the Fab, the Fabulous Five have been us. Um, as far as who the best one was, if I didn't have to pick Rob Maspero. Uh I'm always gonna pick me I'm always gonna pick me I think the biggest star is Dodd He's the one that's got the star power He's the one that's a silver medalist He's the one that was For a long time That was all about them kids And this and that And people do hang on his words But as far as like Keeping people engaged Gift and just natural gift of gab And and I I gotta I'm gonna toot my own horn I gotta say me I got people tapping me on the shoulder. Hey, my daughter's listening to you in Wisconsin and wants to know you wants to let let, let you know you're hilarious. So these (laughs) so the feedback I don't really know what the feedback was from P fourteen forty. They just want me to be louder. They just want me to be um, make sure my my bios are are in order, which they um, Mm. which I was doing on my own, and then eventually they they started supplying me with. Um, But yeah, man, it's great it's great to entertain people and and still know what you're talking about. And more importantly, it's good to know when I, I got a call wrong. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, that referee's blind. Oh, OK. OK. I'm the one who's blind. You know? I'm blind. Listen, my... oh, that's what I like about yeah. it. I mean, you call it the
1: way you see it, but you have a, a yeah. wide range of knowledge.
0: Yep, I, I just, also acknowledge keep, my. St- like, keep it moving. I acknowledge my ignorance. Look, yeah. if you don't acknowledge your ignorance, you become stupid. Did we have a conversation about ignorance and stupidity? Mm. ignorance is you don't know any better you educate yourself okay you got it boom stupidity is when you've been advised of the facts and you're just willful you're protecting your your ignorance, be deriving from your arrogance okay yes. um so that's that's when the, the ignorance becomes stupid now we're gonna t- i think we'll talk a little bit about casey jennings and, and jason olive uh, or or just sports and apologizing and, and that in a little bit mm. but i wanted to share this uh, um one story when i first moved to California, I was. Um, doing interviews for Volleyball One-on-One. You know Andor July, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Andrew oh, no, July.
0: I don't know. No. Andor July does volleyball clinics across the country and, and, and around the world. He played, Afric- South African dude, played with- he actually played with Spara for UCLA. He was a, a, a middle or an oppo. Yeah, no. Um, I didn't mean- Anyway, I was doing interviews for him. His per- he has a, a um, something called Volleyball One-on-One that offers private lessons. So I'm supposed to talk to players, the best players, and talk about process and preparation. So uh-huh. I see someone in the crowd that looks like Mike Dodd. He looks at a tall, out of shape, curly hair, and, and I start talking to him. And I'm like, so th- what do you think of this, Mike, or whatever, and this and that. Turns out the guy's name was Mike, right? <laughs> uh, and to make matters worse the real Mike Dodd is actually behind him just going <gasps> oh, are you serious <laughs> and I watch this video all the time and it blew up it blew up because everybody was like, this asshole doesn't, doesn't <laughs> know the fake Mike, Mike Dodd from the real Mike Dodd. So, and he said, dude, another guy's like, dude, he says, yeah, I can't believe it. And the worst part is all you have to do is look around the guy. The real Mike Dodd is behind you, laugh, sitting behind and watching, watching the match back and forth, just going, this guy's an idiot. So it's one of those things where like, me paying my dues and getting to where I gotta go, that's the video you wanna delete, right? You don't really want to No, but I don't. I keep it up there. I keep it up there. and that was the crabs against Ivandro and Pedro. That was the match oh. I was watching. And I got into it with some old head, Ah, oh, you don't know anything about volleyball. And I'm like I'm like, shut up. Shut up. Why don't, you go, why don't you go fall why don't you go fall out of your chair, you old fucking fart. So so my ability my my ability to acknowledge my ignorance but also my ability to stand up for myself. Um, was what got me. It gained me a ton of respect out here, you know. Um, and that's that's what got me to where I am. So let's let's get into an example of um, ignorance versus stupidity. Drew Brees, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna go out of our wheelhouse a little bit, okay? Drew Brees a few years ago was like, I I um can't respect anybody that can't respect the flag, you know. Mm-hmm. And a year later, said the same thing. So he kind of meant what he said because. And then eventually apologized. Now, here's my stance, and, I'm, and I don't want to talk more than you because you're my guest. Um, and it's not really an interview; it's a podcast. But um, um, I want—I just want to go first on this. I accept his apology because his m- m- mindset came from having brothers, fathers, basically every male member of his family serve in the military. And if you've ever seen the people holding up a flag at Iwo Jima, bullets whizzing by them, they're not firing back. They're holding up a flag. If you ever saw a movie mm-hmm. called, um, a Sam Jackson movie, um, Rules of Engagement? Where he goes to the ambassadors, uh, 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 um, the embassy to rescue mm-hmm. the ambassador, puts him in a helicopter. Says, "Hold on." Him and two soldiers go back. <laughs> Sniper fire whizzing by the head. They go back. They take. They go back to take down the flag, oh, and, yeah. and bring the flag to the to to the helicopter. You have to appreciate what that means to them. But once he realized that systemic racism. Shows that you're America and what you think the flag's supposed to mean and what that person thinks the flag's supposed to mean are two different things. Holy shit. Dude, I had my head in the water the whole time. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, in fact, I'm not just sorry. I am so sorry. Now, yeah. people don't believe him. Yeah, he was him. sorry three times. Now, people don't believe him because they, they're under the impression that he, sh- he did know better or he should have known better. I think it's the latter. Maybe he should have known better. For me, when Kaepernick took, Kaepernick took a knee, I mm-hmm. wasn't against it or for it. I just didn't see the logical connection because my level of thinking, I'm a Gulf War vet, my dad's a Vietnam vet, my grandfather's a World War II vet, mother's side, a Korean War vet. All, every male member of my family served. My sister served two tours in Afghanistan. We mm-hmm. understand the flag as being a military guidon from the Civil War, which is fighting for equality and against the oppression of black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, the, because the flag meant something different, I'm like... Okay, kneel away. I don't. I don't see what one thing has to do with the other. But because of what I fought for, um, I know this is not a totalitarian state. If someone wants to kneel, fine. Someone wants to sit, fine. Someone want to go in the other room, fine. Because I fought for the right for them. Oh, we. Yes. My family has fought for the right for them to 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 do that or to not do that. I have my lines too. I think if you burn the flag, I mean, you could. It's your right, but you ain't my friend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's just different. That's just different to me. You know, I'm. Uh, you know, well, I Well, it's can't, different, uh,
1: and it's against the law. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah um it's also against the law to to wear one as a bra a bikini top too right um you know the same right the same guys who have a problem with someone peacefully kneeling at the same you know uh, doesn't have a problem with a girl wearing it up the crack of her ass exactly or
1: or the professional baseball player wearing uh, american flag speedos
0: exactly so the floor is yours but i wanted to give you my stance first um he is apologetic because he he didn't understand. He's surrounded on a team that's predominantly black and a in a league that's predominantly black in 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 a nation whose whose spectatorship, as far as per capita, is the majority black. So he's he's getting the education on it. He got some explaining to do to his brothers, and that's where I am. The floor is yours. Yeah, you know it's
1: it, it's man it, it it's a it's pretty tough because you know one, I don't know Drew Brees from Adam. Right. Um. I, you know I can only speculate. And just knowing the history of what he's what he did in the city of uh, New Orleans after Katrina, what he gave back, uh, and then when they were at the football game in London, he knelt with his teammates. Uh, they came on the field, I think, before the national anthem, but he was he supported them at that time. When he when he made those those recent comments uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, whenever that was. Um, I read, I read his words, and I just felt the compassion that he had, with the, like you said, with his family um, being involved with that, and you know, it's his American right to feel that way, that he he'll stand. But on the I On the opposite side of that, I understand why why he didn't understand what was going on, mm-hmm. just like the other half of America doesn't understand is trying to do some catch up now to what's going on in in the country. And my feelings were, Hey, this guy works with a bunch of work works with a bunch of people who can educate him if need be, if he wants to listen. And I think that's exactly what happened because I think deeply his, his teammates were hurt when they heard about that knowing, because I think he, I, my impression is that he's a pretty good guy. So that hurt his teammates. And I think once his teammates reached out to him, and they had that, and they had that back and forth about why, about what it meant, and how we got to where we're at today. I think it truly touched him. So, I think I think he gets why. He may still feel that, hey, I still I, I still believe in st- standing up and putting my hand over my heart. Same thing with me. You know, have was, to, doesn't that respect work both
0: ways? Doesn't that respect that? work both ways though, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, it does. You said when I, you know, when I had the opportunity to travel with the national team and uh, standing up on the floor with my hand over my heart, that that means something that means something to me. But you know, not having a, a a knee on my neck that means something to me as well, and I know those. It, yeah. So we won't even go into all that stuff. No, but- I, I
0: went through it the last three podcasts. I'm ex- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've listened uh to my stories of, of my family and police brutality. Four different yeah. cases just in my family alone. My mom's yeah. my mom's a black woman. My uncle's black. My, my one uncle shot by the police black. My grandmother. Um mm. arrested for planting vegetable gardens in the ghetto. <laughs> you know, gonna arrest a eighty year old woman, you you dick. Um sorry, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's, yeah, so, so we, all have our, we all have our reasons for why we do, but it is our American right, our constitutional right, and people will lose their flipping minds trying to make you conform to their way. If you're not doing it their way, then you're, then you're wrong, but it goes back to those clothes. Yeah. They'll be the first ones wearing a USA flag.
0: So yeah so it's so it's, du- it's a double stupidity because they're 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 trying to make you uh, parrot their free speech mm-hmm. right because your your kneeling is, is free speech their standing is free speech, so, so if someone to make you do it to feel you you should do it they it's suggesting that they should parrot your free speech that's one and two the the hypocrisy you know mm-hmm. I mean, oh, le- legally oh. legally you could wear it on your shoulder if you're in the military because you got to represent you're an American or whatever and this and that um mm-hmm. I will show you how I'm not a nationalist before I show everybody this. I am a patriot. So I want people to notice before they they see what I'm gonna, I'm about to show them on my camera. This right here, that is an American flag, my man. That is, Mm -hmm. this is my command center. Those are my monitors for the preview monitors. Those those are, that's for my video games. All of this is for when the Olympics come so I can watch five matches at one time. But right there, (laughs) right there on my wall, anyone that dares the question my my patriotism besides my my military service and what i look at every day uh-huh. that is old glory that is the united states of america okay and i anyone that feels that that they should parrot so um that someone should parrot my free speech just because of what i did and what i believe in th- they're not the ones disrespecting the flag uh, you are they are The person that thinks that you're supposed to parrot their free speech has no respect for the flag. Because if the flag has this meaning to them, this meaning of what where where I think where we're both getting to, uh, uh, um, if it has this deep, innate meaning that you you, you fought for the, the rights for people to choose your religion, to choose who you, who you can love, to choose how you can live your life. Choose to peacefully take a knee, which, by the way, was advice that he got from a veteran of the United yes. States Army. So I don't know if the guy was a Navy <laughs> SEALs, but he was defi- definitely a member of the spec ops community. And it was like, dude, <clears> don't <throat> sit. Sit in disrespect. OK, take a knee. Take a knee. That's respectful. And and most veterans that understand it, I'm a vet. I don't speak for vets everywhere. I get it. I get it. I got into an argument with somebody. He's like, "Look, if standing for the flag is respect, then then isn't not standing supposed to, uh, by 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 rules, supposed to be an opposite?" I said, "Well, yes. If if you live your life by false dichotomies, right? <laughs> for the for, for those of you guys never been in debate class, false false dichotomies <sighs> when you take an argument and you limit it only to two choices. How about kneeling is not respecting or disrespecting the flag? How about it's neither, right?" <laughs> You know, how about, right? Oh, you're either with us or against us. How about, I'm not, well, I'm not with either one of you, you, you asshats. How about, how about I choose, how about there's an option C, neither, <laughs> neither the above or option D, both are correct. You know?
1: Hey, I, have I, you ever I, been, have you ever been, have you ever been in a situation where you're on camera uh-huh. and the cameraman is, is panning through during the national anthem? And there's a couple of them. Typically one's got the cord. Right. The other ones, the camera. They're on a knee. Yeah. But they're not standing. Their hands not over their heart.
0: Oh, there's your they're camera exception. The
1: whole thing. <laughs> are, are they disrespecting the flag? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's all crazy. It's all crazy. Honestly. And it's a, the flag is a. It, this is extreme thought, but it's a piece of cloth. It is a symbol of America. Yep. What we fight for is our Constitution, yep. and our our constitutional rights. That's what's important. And I think that's, what's getting lost in our society. Just overall.
0: I hope one day we can all, we can all be proud of where we, where we, where we are. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I hope we can all all be proud of where we are and when we and when and when we stand. That day is a long time from now and may and may never come, but in, in my in my fantasy world, I would love for us to come together. I would love for the uh, uh, w- my my white counterparts and my black counterparts to understand each other and just have continue to have these conversations, not at the expense of somebody's life. You know what I'm saying? Right. In, in this in, in this perf my my perfect scenario world, I would love for everybody to be like, hey, boom, this is when patriotism turns into nationalism because that man in me is patriotism you know why because the biggest form of patriotism is, is dissension
2: mm-hmm. all
0: right anyone that that thinks you should just stand for the flag just on principle you're not a patriot you're a nationalist a nationalist <laughs> a nationalist means you do it for just for its own sake regardless okay mm-hmm. and and sometimes i'm a nationalist every one of us is a little bit nationalist everyone's a little bit patriot right right i'm a nationalist because when donald 45 in office I don't n- not love America because because uh, uh, I don't love America because he's in office. I love him, America, mm-hmm. in spite of him being in office. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, there's certain people you vote for and there's certain people you know. don't. Me, I'm gonna vote for a Democrat or a Republican. I just want to vote for the right person. And this exactly. Why, I'm so glad I'm talking oh. to you about this because there's there's nobody has been more fair as you as, as they've been candid about your sentiments in these. So, oh. but I wanted hey. your opinion about about Drew Brees on that because what we're talking about is something deeper than just a celebrity apologizing. We're talking about people speaking from what's in their heart, which derives from a feeling of malice and separation and bitterness. And then there's just, it derives from what is not in their head, what's missing in their head. And Drew Brees was the latter. It's, it's not what came from his heart, his love for his country came from his heart, but not understanding it was what, what was missing in his head. He wasn't, uh uh uh, uh, diametrically opposed to black people you know what i I thought came from his
1: heart Mm -hmm. was his apology yeah all three of them yeah i mean he he felt so i don't want to say so bad about it but i think well maybe that's it he felt so bad about what he said or how it was portrayed that it hurt him deeply Mm -hmm. that he felt he needed to apologize three times three different ways so I closed up shop respect that. and if his teammates respected that
0: uh-huh. yep. who are we need to say anything different. That's the question. Some Rhetorical question, movie. actually. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I closed up shop in an argument like this. I said, saying that just because that guy is taking a knee means he doesn't love his country. To say that is equivalent to saying somebody just because somebody skips out on church because the priest is a molester means you don't love God. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> dude, these wow. people are making this a logical connection you know <laughs> was that one of those yes like, I can't see the mic, <laughs> uh, well i'm still waiting for that response I, I don't think you know everybody i'd love for them, someone to say that those are not comparable but i i would say they're closely comparable i think just because somebody look you could love god and and you can show it a different way or you could have a problem with the church and still love God, right? You could have a mm-hmm. problem with standing for the flag and still love your country. That's the point I was trying to make. You know, he, he ain't, he don't hate the country. He just has a problem with people putting their knee on someone's neck until the guy says, I can't breathe until he dies. <laughs> well, Until well, he dies. And a half minutes after there's no
1: response. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, now,
0: now I know. I know. At some point, we gotta go. But I wanted to introduce you to another another topic, which is a common denominator. People apologize. People apologize. They're, 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 their 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 apology is authentic. People on the other side need to have the power of empathy, which leads to some level of forgiveness. Okay, all the people that that are mad at Drew for having his head in the sand. Cool, be mad, but for having his, but be mad at him because that's he, They don't think his apology is authentic, or or that he should have known the whole time. It's been there the whole time. A lot of you are fucking hypocrites, okay? And I'll give you a funny example because we we getting ready to laugh again. Um, Friday night, growing up, the way I kept my ass in the house. Channel I turn on channel two. I watch Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Eight o'clock. I watched the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, right? <laughs> Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk. Um, wow. Dukes of Hazard at nine, and Dallas at ten. Dallas. <laughs> For those of you at home, you too young to ask who shot Jr. Just educate yourself. We we already an hour and a half into this. I ain't gonna do it. Okay, find out. All right, it wasn't Sue Ellen. All right. <laughs> um, everyone thought it was Sue Ellen. Um, my question was: Do white did white people watch the Dukes of Hazard? Answer: Yes did african-american watch and love the dukes of hazard the answer is yes and some people are like no i don't think people watch it and yes you did don't lie yes you did yep. and you know yep. what yep. guess what Afri- african americans half of me i'm half so half of me you african americans out there who are who are t- talking about what's in your face the whole time and oh this guy ignored what's in his face the whole time you ignore it too these, these guys, these good old boys, just the good old boys, never meaning no harm. Beats all with their Confederate flag car. A bandage, bandage, With a, a, a car that has a Confederate flag on it called the General Lee. Lee. And when you honk the horn, what did the horn sound like? Go on. You know what? You laugh, I'll do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> White people, you watch that show. Black people. You watch that show. Stop flying through you, little devil asses. You watch that show too. And you saw that flag and you ignored it. You heard that horn honk and you ignored it. You know the name on that car and you ignored it. Why? Because it was so ingrained in our culture. We we were too close to the forest to see the trees. So don't vilify this man for what he's missing, for the shit that you guys have been watching and and appreciating and celebrating the whole time. Let me tell you something. That guy that made that song called Look at that girl with the Daisy Duke Song." No, black people didn't think that came from, Daisy Dukes was, was a set of rabbit ears. No, the Daisy Dukes came from a girl named Daisy Duke, a character on the Dukes of Hazzard that wore yeah. denim shorts up the crack of her ass that was so sexy, everybody was all, come on, baby, kiss those daisies. Look at that girl with the Daisy Duke song. Come on, you're playing yourselves. So that's the empathy part. So empathy has to lead some sort to some sort of forgiveness because the lack of perfection, on all of our parts, we're all culpable. Yes. All right. And th- listen, what happened the first time someone brought it to their attention? Okay, we're probably not going to show episodes. we we'll showed on country music te- television. We're not making no movies on, about uh, uh, about it anymore because we know better. Mm-hmm. But something back then. Okay, you get that. That was contemporary. That was chronologically incorrect. But that is what it is. And you know, they are good old boys and never meaning no harm. Okay. Uh, um. <laughs> so that that level of empathy comes to personal responsibility and realize we're all flawed all flawed okay i don't think the person who who got killed is responsible for this i don't think garner got killed okay was he selling cigarettes yeah but but this ain't pakistan anything a motherfucker do death (laughs) right (laughs) run a stop sign death (laughs) (laughs) i I won't do it again i know (laughs) especially if you
1: if you find out that you had a criminal background before, then it's okay. I mean, this is it, my least favorite. We can go, off, oh my we
0: can go God. off for <laughs> hours on that. At least, at least with this guy, they got it right. They, this is the first case between Garner, Rice, Trayvon, that they didn't spend a lot of time delving into the, the past of the suspect. This one, they delved into the past of the cop for a change. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Oh, my goodness. Look what we found behind door two. 18 complaints
1: you you know what was crazy about this whole thing happening is Mm. minnesota is probably the first state that ever took action in the amount of time that they took action Mm -hmm. i mean those cops four gone
0: gone within hours it was quick you talking about atlanta or minnesota minnesota yeah because atlanta that that mayor wasn't having to do but go ahead oh yeah bottoms mayor bottoms yeah, that's a whole
1: different story.
0: Right? <gasps> but go ahead. Yes, yeah, amazing. <laughs> but
1: uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, Minnesota took care of business. It, so did they? But, I mean, with after, eighteen complaints, they, they did. But the country, the Wait. country up to that point, it was it was a slow. It's been a a slow burning fuse, and prior to that, we had boy, we had a woman killed in her bedroom from a. Uh,
0: Wrong, uh, bus. wrong, wrong house yeah. identification. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Drug. Yeah. Drug bus that went wrong. Um. We had a man in Central Park. We had a man running the street, uh, running the streets, and got uh, gunned down by, by two citizens. Jesus. And then we had George Floyd, and that, and that was it. Yeah. The fuse hit the bomb, and everything exploded. Hey, but I, I think America, America, got to see all that because it happened. All within the same week, I was like, "Wait, what is going on here?" So, mm-hmm. you know, I think America has always been, eh, and nah, that's they're over-exaggerating again. They're, you know, it's whatever, yeah. whatever is happening there. They just yeah, well,
0: it. yeah, well, and, and if he doesn't want to get his knee in his neck, stop breaking the law. Stop yeah, breaking yeah. the law. Oh. Yeah, right. So now they actually got to see. Well, wait a minute. These people weren't
1: breaking the law, and this all happened in the same week. That can't be a coincidence. You
0: say, "Don't shoot." They shoot. You say I can't oh. breathe. You say can't breathe. You get suffocated. Yeah, yeah, Mm-mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, They're gonna have to miss me with know, that and one. It, it, and, and and although it, it
1: happens disproportionately to to black Americans, I, the police still do it to. And that's that's the other thing. Well, whites get killed more than more than blacks do. Well, technically, that is true. It, it's FBI facts. It's true.
0: Well, there are more lurk, lurking variables is the word there, but go ahead.
1: Right, exactly. You're lurking variables, which I used in my, my new book, by the way.
0: So, cool.
1: <laughs> but uh,
0: I don't know how to get an A you, in you, that But When class. you look
1: at 2,000 whites that are killed and 1,800 blacks that are killed, and blacks only comprise of 13% of the population, whites comprise of 65 to 75% of the population, there's a problem. There's a huge problem there. So, at, so you have you have to use that word disproportionately so people will understand you know we are killed two and a half times
0: well, more than right that. No, I said well disproportionately uh, uh, two things I wanted to say one thing before we steer too far away the 18 mm-hmm. complaints against this cop right if you're a mere on the police force, it's incumbent upon police police let's say we're on the force. isn't it incumbent upon us to come to the captain and say, hey listen, can you do something about this guy before someone gets killed? <laughs> That's, that's just one thing. And I, and I wanted to finish that with that. The second thing I wanted to talk about, FBI stats have a ton of lurking variables and I'll tell you why. And I'll give you an example and there's a third podcast I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. Sergeant Michael Wood, who's a sergeant in the Baltimore Police Department, quit his job because his captain directed him to go out there and make arrest. And when they came back and didn't arrest anybody because no one committed any crimes, he says just go out there and find four people. Just bring four <laughs> bodies. I don't care where. Now, wherever neighborhood you grew up, grew up wherever neighborhood i grew up flatbush avenue or whatever if you live in new york or if you california in california if that guy has to make for arrest is he going go to go to to hollywood no is he going to go to South Central? Yes. So if black people are getting arrested disproportionately because uh, maybe they're committing crimes or maybe a cop just got lucky, he found someone that he was searching that has drugs on them, mm-hmm. uh, It's because he searched that person in the first place. Do white people smoke as much weed as black people? Yes, they do. In fact, harder drugs. Oh. Hard, uh, you want to talk about drugs per capita? Harder drugs. White people use hard drugs more than black people, okay? Yeah. All of a sudden yeah. in Harlem, it's racketeering and, and on the Upper West Side, it's hospitality. <laughs> What's up? You know, so um, so I don't want to hear anybody. Oh, stats, facts are facts, stats are stats. No, I mean, of course, you could beef up the stats if 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 they rec- if that's where they're recorded. If if mm-hmm. people are directed by by their by their chain of command to not only make busts but to make busts in those areas that they call high crime areas. They're right, not, right. They're not high crime areas. They're just they're just black. And you know yeah. what the hell yeah. is that? So I'm going all over the
1: place. Yeah, so,
0: so I mean I didn't mean to mention this and I'm sorry for the people who who dare to follow every episode. I feel like I'm I'm saying this over and over again. It don't needs bludgeon be said, over me and to and death over again. No, but don't bludgeon me to death about study, what studies show when you haven't even, you know, vet like, like Jason Allah, vet your studies, dude. Don't just find com- confirmation bias. Don't just Google search something and find the first thing that supports why you're right. <laughs> You mean you mean all that regurgitating? Yes, pontificating is more like it. But damn, dude, yeah, we just all right. I think I'm gonna write a book now. <laughs> we, we're just coming up with all of those. So um, before you before we go, what's your next project?
1: Uh, well, I just I just finished up a book. It was about it's about uh, it's for the black community, and it's going to. It's about, I think you've heard that, well, the talk that, that black families have with their, with their younger kids about how to interact with or what to do when you're pulled over by a police officer. So I wrote a book about that and about, uh, your, your rights, your constitutional rights and, and how you should interact. So I think the more education we have with just that part, I think, will will maybe help turn things around because, uh, Police are going to do what they do, whether they have those cameras on or not, because most of them don't even have to turn the camera on. Yeah, it's don't not getting worse; it's getting that. filmed. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. So we need to we need to one get on that to make sure that every police officer out there, just for our protection, but for their protection as well, mm-hmm. to have a recorded record. So, you know, I I think I think more if more blacks know what their constitutional rights are, I think they'll be there'll be more blacks not not getting just like I said randomly pulled off the street because they don't have to answer any questions that the police officer asked them. They, those police officers have to have probable cause, but yeah. most people don't know that.
0: And even if it gets kicked in court, you still got to go through the whole rigmarole. You still get, uh, you know, there's still pre-trial or pre uh, um pre-confinement to the preliminary hearing. If if not, mm-hmm. if not a trial, um, being threatened with a trial might make that person plead out. If they plead out, then it's on their record, mm-hmm. un- un- unsealed not sealed. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm so glad you're doing that because I just saw an episode of 911. It's one, um, of my, one of my favorite shows, the rare occasion I watch TV. And it was a repeat. And the guy, um, I forgot the guy's name, but he played C-Note in Prison Break. He was the black guy, the ex-military guy in, in Prison Break um, with Wentworth Miller. And he's like, this episode's old, but it was relevant then and it's relevant now. And he, his wife, his ex-wife works for LAPD and he got pulled over and he was asked to get out of the car. And then his son was reaching for something. They pulled the gun in the sun. He's like, don't you shoot my son. All of it was on film. And when he got, when he got to the house, his wife was like... Like, well, I'm glad you didn't get hurt or whatever, and it could have been worse. And he's like, and she's like, well, you know, cops have a tough job. She took the side of the police. She's a and she's a <laughs> black woman, but when she saw the video, the body cam footage, ooh, nothing but fire. And and later ended up stopping the cop for DUI because he had a bunch of beers and was driving under the influence. So she ended up pulling him over. So it, it, <laughs> all of this came like full circle. But the point I was trying to make was there was a 10 minute segment where the guy had to talk about talk to his son. Just put your hands on the steering wheel. If they ask you for a license, say, hey, I'm taking my right hand, I'm doing this. Just mm-hmm. just the conversation you have to have just, just for DWB. Yeah. Driving yeah. while black. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's sad and it's painful. And and I don't I don't know if I make the, the call necessary, but I think, yeah, the chances of you living through something, you know, um, well, you gotta do this, this inconvenient. You sacrifice um your freedom. You know, you, you you um with with some kind of security, sometimes you you wind up with neither, but you you still want to live, <laughs> and yeah. hopefully live through all of this till to, till to, to everybody, everybody. Puts- yeah, it's different because I
1: mean, you know, it's, we could we could we could be in the same car, same type of car, running through the <laughs> same neighborhood, and if if I get pulled over and I start yelling and screaming and cussing out the police officer, I'm going to be on the ground, face first, handcuffed. Yeah. If uh, if a white person does the same thing, they're just, calm down, calm down, calm down, sir. Calm down,
0: calm down. I'm going to have your badge, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw so, you. I ain't getting out of the car. I know my rights. Yeah, we have to, <laughs> we have to get beyond all of that. <laughs> I'll just have a little fun now. I know my rights. <laughs> I'm going to have your badge, dude. Yeah. They, they,
1: they, well, in that case, they probably could because their dad is probably the mayor or something.
0: Yeah, pull over white kids. Yeah,
1: oh my gosh. But I mean, we could, right. like said so, we could go on for days and
0: All days. Right. So, be, um, one more question before I close up, Casey's apology. You, we, you okay. said you have mixed feelings about that. What's what's up? Well, I don't, I don't have mixed feelings about
1: his. Well, okay.
0: For people listening initial, to home, Casey his initial, basically his initial okay.
1: post that yeah. I read. I read it as being sarcasm um, about about uh, getting the police off the street or burning the city down, whatever, whatever that, whatever it was.
0: Yeah, and basically, hey, take the day off, see how you do without him. That's that. That yeah, was um, yeah, that was so, the premise of his post. Yeah,
1: and, and I and I read it as as sarcasm, or because I'm because I'm white and I have money, all that stuff. I took that as sarcasm, um, and. When he apologized, he apologized for saying all that. So I questioned, "Well, why is he apologizing if his if he didn't mean what what he said earlier?"
0: Because he's not a comedian. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Sometimes
0: sometimes jokes aren't funny, right? If you're not a comedian. Yeah.
1: And that right? that was that was pretty evident. But yeah. I think it goes back to what we're talking about, Drew Brees. Maybe he just maybe the connection wasn't there right. until someone slapped him in the face with it. Right. And he got slapped in the face with it, basically.
0: So he, he got a lot of blowback from from yeah, from a, from, his, from his peers and of of some of his contemporaries. Well. Yeah, yeah, and a handful of supporters. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I described it as ill-timed. Um, I told him that I said I don't, I, you know, I don't know. If, I mean, there's a time and place to make to make I could jokes. Say, Is there a time then? Um, yeah. When when nobody has someone's knee on their neck. <laughs> <clears throat> when, when the cops take a take a six month break from that, then you could be funny. So,
1: yeah, but it's still six going months on. are up. So,
0: okay, not funny no more. But sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that
1: stuff is still going on. You know, it's out of sight, out of mind doesn't mean that you know the timing is right where you could be sarcastic about something like that. So you know, right now the country is engaged, and you know a lot of people are feeling guilty about not participating or not believing in what was going on, and and I talked to I talked to someone the other day who said guilt wasn't really a good word for them. They're just feeling stressed about everything that's going on because there's a, there is a lot of information that they need to catch up on. And and I was thinking, well, at some point there's got to be information overload. And when is that going to happen? Because there's just too much. We have, we have 400 years of this and, and from the civil rights era of the, of the mid sixties to now, that's less than seventy years, so how you expect to to see change in that short amount of time is beyond me. And how you can choose to ignore that there's that there's an issue, even after seeing video of those of those issues and trying to find excuses why it's happening, it's just it's it's mind boggling. Hmm. But I'm just happy to see that that there's a that there's a portion of the country that is genuinely trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And for me, that's all I can ask.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I would those. also suggest to you that it acknowledged from people's acceptance of their white of their privilege. Okay. Uh, my last mm-hmm. guest, Kathy parent. I've known her for a long time. And she wasn't down for a long time. She wasn't down with white privilege. And I've known her long enough to know how much shit she had to eat and how, how hard she had to work to get where she has. And it wasn't mm-hmm. an easy path. And for people that uh, get rejection over and over and over and you, and you stay in the grind and you keep it until you make it. Those are the people that don't, that don't, that are like, Oh, you know, you can this one person want to come out of nowhere and talk about privilege, kiss my ass, you know? And, and, and for that, And that's what I was talking about, the the understanding of the why. I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying the understanding of the why has to be mutual. Mm -hmm. And this is why it takes a lot of people to come around to acknowledge their white privilege. And she's like, I acknowledge my white privilege. I I, I applied my privilege to just hard work and acceptance, which still I I acknowledge I could be wrong. But Mm -hmm. on a different level of just walking to work and back. You know, maybe going to a bar, having a drink with some friends and walking home and 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 not, you know, I don't have to worry about getting shot by the police. She says I'm she's she's a good looking woman in New York. So she said there's a little street harassment going on. But she says, I'll take my street harassment, multiply it by five. And that's probably how some of my black friends feel, (laughs) you know. And so (laughs) that acceptance and that acknowledgement on that small scale. Because we know, I mean, it's very lazy me just to pick this one example, okay? Um, but on that small scale is an example of where I think, like you said, it's 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 become nationally recognized because the white uh, white contemporaries have acknowledged their privilege. Casey, uh, the reason why I brought him up is because he very much like Kathy. Um, I could cite the re- constant rejection and hard work he got just to get to where he has to be. You know, he's married mm-hmm. to a celebrity, but I'm kind of I'm gonna tell you, this man was an NCAA champion before he was married to Kerry. This man, you know, um, was a multiple time FAVP and FIVB champion before Carrie uh, uh, came up. Mm-hmm. So, so this man, uh, because people like that worked hard and made it, why can't that person? Why can't that person? And that's that's where their head is in the sand
1: that's you where know? the disconnect
0: is that's where the disconnect is and that's and when yeah. someone like Casey and someone like Kathy parent realizes that their path to their success and the hard work um however noble I'm not trying to make make light of that because mm-hmm. cuz outside of that I don't think they're going to they they enjoy the two of them enjoy the success they have they have to it takes a special kind of someone but you have to they have to realize Even in their rejection, it was their rejection was at the 50 meter line for the 100 meter dash. (laughs) (laughs) You got rejected at the 50 meter line and okay, you finished the race. Good for you. Yeah. Say that to the person, you know, who still has to run the 100 meters and put up with, with twice the rejection. Okay. I talked to my mom. My mom. My mom. I was like, "Wow, I'm sure like whoever the first black black lawyer was, he must have been happy." And she says, "No, they were angry. (laughs) (laughs) They were angry as f (laughs) because they had to run the hundred meter. You know, it's like, wow, congratulations, dude, kiss my ass."
1: (laughs) But but it's it's still true to this day. I mean, even even as a even as a, a black coach, you you're still you're still on a shorter leash than that than your counterpart yep so it's you just have you always have more to prove exactly you just gotta you have to finish yeah. that race
0: that's the old and saying and, why? Keep going. and
1: well, then people are still gonna think oh they were lucky this time
0: that's the that's the um well that's the 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 battle right uh, the old saying is uh white people have a career black people have a responsibility mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, to yeah. be to be a role model, my God, you can't, you know, you can't go drinking, you can't gamble, right? You know, <laughs> to be the best dentist, you have to invent teeth. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's I don't know. I, it,
1: I my background, I don't know. We all see we all see life through a different lens, and I I've had opportunities that that a lot of that a lot of people haven't had, and. So I, I think it's my responsibility, even even when I go out to eat, that that I can disrupt whatever stigmas are out there. So if I go to a restaurant and black people don't tip, I tip, and I'm going to tip more than more than necessary, just so you can say, well, there was this one time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just that's been my whole life. That I just mm-hmm. I I want you I want you to see that there's a black American out there that you had no idea existed and you're going to be able to say, well, there was just one time. So maybe there's someone else like that. So you just don't, you are just not triggered by, Oh, they're a criminal. They, do. they always do this. They yeah. always do
0: that. Yeah. Speaking of multiple cab drivers too, um, in New York, cause um, I rode cabs a lot at night because like you said, I'm doing, I'm a full-time student. I'm here, I'm finishing karaoke. I don't want to take that train. So, so, um, particularly citing one guy from Yemen, uh, when they said uh, racial profiling from yellow cabs were was over, they don't they don't um, like a black person hails a cab, they just drive by, right. and it's because oh my god, oh they're afraid and they're afraid. He's like, dude, he says we're not afraid. He says I just think they're cheap. Yeah, <laughs> and he says besides, right. he says he he says, and if I could recognize white people from Russians uh, or, or Eastern Europeans, <laughs> I drive by their fucking asses too. <laughs> you know, he said to picture someone driving, making them drive you all the way to Far Rockaway, Queens, all the way to the South Bronx. And you lost like a half hour, an hour of your time. You could be picking up local fairs here and there. They make Mm -hmm. you drive all the way to Coney Island, right? Cary Gardens or whatever, or Flatbush Avenue. And they they don't even tip you. (laughs) You know, so um, I think that's another form of racism, right? Of course, because Mm -hmm. if they see a black person, they in their mind are going to be like, so, I mean, it's still racism anyway. But I think a lot of black people have to get in their heads. These these Middle Eastern guys, they they not they're not stopping because they they're not passing you by because they scared. They, they <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm, you want to talk about stereotyping? They came from a place where there's bullets, bombs, and bloods all the t- blood blood right? all the time. Okay, <laughs> whatever you went through on Flatbush, that was every day. So um, <laughs> no, but they 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 think because you're cheap. So I and like you said, um. We uh, black people, um, because they have a responsibility, they have to acknowledge they have a certain privilege too, you know. Dwayne Wade yes. enjoys a privilege. Le- LeBron James deserves a uh, has a privilege, um, which he by the way doesn't abuse. Like I mean, the man's the ambassador. Mm-hmm. He's a citizen of the world. If they ever gave out, gave out that mm-hmm. award again, you know. Um, Patrick Dietz um, says um, five hundred years if you count the time prior to the Revolutionary War. Um, <laughs> didn't have the additional but, but, pitfalls but of being right,
1: yeah. in, the, in the 1600s and 1700s. Yeah. That was still indentured servitude.
0: Yeah. Yep. And he They're says, Patrick. yeah, he says, didn't have additional pitfalls of being looked at as a color even before they started the race. He's, he's hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. So Patrick is posting and of course, Randy Stoklas gave you, gave us a shout out. Um, And wow. Before we, before we go any further, we just, we're running on close to two hours right now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah and i thought i couldn't even do five minutes at least hey joe rogan's here in spirit my man <laughs> we're, bre- we're breaking all the rules <laughs> um listen before we go is there anything you'd like to plug any any site or volleyball camp or whatever because um uh, beach volleyball national events uh um watches this religiously the volleyball guests not not the other guests where we're talking about sex and doing all this cussing uh, um, um but they they um anything you want to plug Well, um, I don't have the dates yet, but uh, the Houston Stars Volleyball
1: Club uh, on our beach side, we'll have a a clinic coming up. We're working on uh, some big uh, celebrities coming out to uh, help run a clinic. So keep keep your eyes on that for July. Um, My book that's going to come out uh, hopefully within the next uh, four or five days, the the blue book is what it's called.
0: I was going to say, you're working out a title. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, But... Coaching-wise, man, till COVID is uh, <laughs> on the downswing, it it it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, I have my it, oh, if you're in the if you're in the city of Houston and you have a young man, have him come out Sundays. Uh, we we have started our workouts. Um, we do a lot of uh, individual trainings, and and uh, we could we could use all the young men out there that we can get. There you go, bodies, bodies. We need bodies. <laughs> Right? Bodies,
0: bodies. bodies. We need bodies. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Cool, man. Roll the sport. Well, I'm glad Eric has something for you because for all the rest of you, I have nothing for you. Absolutely nothing. Zip, zilch, zero squat. This is episode 38. Thank all of you for listening. For all of you people on your iPads online at Starbucks. For all of you people on your iPhone or Androids. For all of you old school people on your desktop, we rule the world. For everybody listening and for Eric Anderson, this is episode 38 of The Option Podcast. I am Jason DeBias and I'm going to hit my music and we say... So long. Ciao. We're out. <laughs> Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Angel. You're going to love what you hear.